0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one.
1: Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music
2: hey guys so you're not gonna believe this i'm in delaware delaware yeah it's pretty exciting man uh they have a, a hotel here and um a shopping mall and it's you know just the best and i just want to shout out to delaware all my delaware homies um you know who you are you know you you definitely guys you, you know who you are so anyway yeah i'm up here i decided to uh use one of the business centers at the hotel to record this because i'm like yo no one's ever in the business center no one's printing no one's doing business in here you know they don't need this i need this you know i'm doing business right now and it's fantastic i got some coffee with no sugar in it guys i'm proud of myself a whole you know 12 hours without sugar actually i don't know listen guys no don't worry about it just pretend i didn't say that but anyway no sugar with my coffee Black is my soul. So, I just put out a last show with bass player from Bad Wolves, Kyle Conquille, and someone, uh, not going to say who, apparently took that interview as like some bad stuff going on or that, you know, uh, ill intent uh, was going on there on behalf of Kyle and perhaps myself, I don't know. But I just want to say if that person's listening or people they know listening understand Um, no ill intent, no bad vibes, it's all positivity over here, Um, you know, we all wish, you know, and I know Kyle does, all the, you know, ex-band members and everything, that, you know, he wishes everyone well, and wants people to do well, and was not trying to talk shit on anyone, or throw anyone under the bus, and I didn't think he did, I thought he was, very respectful of, of all his old bands. Um, but maybe some, sometimes either people take things the wrong way or they, um, I don't know, look into it. Or maybe it's someone, the person didn't even listen to it and someone told them something. I don't know. But just to let you know. It's all positivity over here. Anyone wants to come on the show, you know, and and uh, fight for their story or, or or tell it the right way, you let me know. Doc Cole is out here. I love everybody. I have no enemies. And when I say I have no enemies, I mean I'm not... Enemy, you know, so they might not like me. They might like, look at Doc with your big nose over there, you know, with your shiny forehead. Fuck you, Doc. And I'm like, oh, that's cool, you know, I'm fine, you know, I'm gonna be all right. You know, I don't, I don't need that person to like me, but it doesn't mean I need to go around like not liking them just because they don't like me. That's stupid, you know, I do my thing anyway. Just wanted to get that out of the way because, uh, you know, clear the air, man. You know, people, you know, this is not listen. I have many opportunities I could use this show as a way to. Get headlines, to get people to come on and talk shit about their ex band members, and I don't do that because I just don't want to be part of that shit. I don't like drama, and I don't um I don't like stirring up uh, negativity. I I I do not think it's worth worth it. You know, I'm sure there's plenty of shows that can that will do that, and that ain't this place. Sorry. Anyway. Uh, another big piece of news, uh, Bad Wolves, we just launched an Indiegogo campaign to help film a, a movie called Breaking the Band, and it's really, it's going to be an on-the-road on style film of us kind of just showing the whole process of, of how the success with the, with the band has uh, has kicked off, and yeah, we could definitely use your guys' help to get this uh, done, if you, I don't know, you know what it's like, indiegogo.com backslash projects backslash bad wolves. I don't know. Use the Google or go to any, go to badwolvesnation.com um, or just look up badwolves wolves, Indiegogo. Uh, there's a really cool uh, perk available on there that's related to this show, and that is you can be a guest on this show. Now, it is a little pricey, it's set at $1,000, but. Keep in mind, there's only one of these available. I'm only doing this once, and the truth is, the guests I have on here is a pretty exclusive club. Not everyone's gonna meet the the muster just based on a um, on on the level of what I'm looking at. And this is a way to get on the show. And 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 I didn't it didn't say this on there, but I'm telling you this right now. If you want to have it so that it, that it's not known that you're the person and you just be a guest on here, I'll keep it secret. And it'll just be whoever you are from this band, and I'll interview you. Or, hell, you can interview me. We can actually do really whatever whatever the space entails, but this is a very special opportunity to join. You know, Like I said, it's the X-Men alumni. Everyone who's on this show, I, I feel, is, is part of a, a collective, and I wanted to make that available. And Because I know we do the things like, oh, I have... I'll spot, have a band sponsor the show, we'll play a song, we'll talk about them a little bit. But it's, that's not exactly the same as uh, you know being a guest on the show and really getting the full airtime. So that is available over there. Um, stuff pertaining to myself, we just added, a, I think a pick pack. Uh, you can get some guitar picks from the members of the band, uh, some guitar lessons, guest guitar solos, uh, all kinds of stuff, uh, some signed vinyl, so go over there and check that out. Please support that if you can. Tell your friends and um, make our dreams come true. You make my dream come true. That's right. I love it. What else? I got some other shit. Oh, yeah, here's some of something else I've, I've been thinking. Actually, let me get some water real quick. So you think you guys think I can be professional. I'd edit, edit out the times where I get water. No. doing It's on the air. You're on, on your dime, I'm going to be drinking water. What the huh? because mm. talking dehydrates you all right. you guys don't want me dehydrated pass out you would feel bad if I died on here because I didn't get enough to drink you know you'd be like you know what in, in some way we killed him and I yes I would blame you you know so I'm doing this you know for me but also for you so you don't have to have that burden you know on your soul and on your conscience couldn't do it guys anyway so, I was actually watching... Was there, I, I go on these YouTube holes where I'll find these film criticism YouTube channels or almost like breaking down why this movie works or why this script works or why something didn't work, um, and I was watching this one video on the, the movie that just came out, Ready Player One, all right, and... In this in this film that really is about nostalgia, you know, we kind of and I talk about this on on this show because this is a a, a retrospective show, kind of going going back and and me being someone who really in the last few years is feeling felt a, a much deeper connection to kind of the pop culture touchstones of the '80s and '90s. Like I feel closer to it. And like, you know, I'll wear, I'll buy t-shirts and I'll have, you know, get pieces of memorabilia and I'll go watch old movies and stuff. And I, and I, and a part of me was always wondering how healthy this was or, you know, cause I think there's things that we, 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 you know, there are things about ourselves that we don't really question, you know, and me, I kind of question everything, whether that's good or bad, I don't know. But it made this, uh, it posited this, and I guess uh, Ready Player One was also a book, and I think, the I guess, so this um, idea is from the book and also represented in in the film is that, in a sense, for people who don't have religion, you know, atheists, agnostics, um, and I, I would put myself in that, in that boat, in a sense, pop culture is our religion, right? So this is like the idea that, you know, if I go... You know, to, you know, Prince is a rock god, or Michael Jordan is a god of basketball, right? What we, you know, um, so in a sense, when I when I wear a RoboCop shirt or a Rainbow shirt, it's not even really that I'm just wearing that shirt. And there's no connection to it. It's that it's that um, much like formal religion, and you know, we all have to kind of believe in a mythology. So instead of me sitting down there and going through the Bible and like, oh, Job did this and whatever Moses and all that, all that shit. Um, <laughs> sorry, not to diss my Christian homies. Just, uh, just putting it out there. I'm, I'm speaking that way because I'm, I, I do have some ignorance in that that regard. But um, so instead of me kind of using that as a moral framework, I'll use the story of Star Wars or Lord of the Rings, and that becomes in a sense uh, my mythology and that people kind of have to have some story, even if they know it's not real. Um, but they kind of, you know, and this is, and then it made me kind of realize about this, like big star Wars backlash. Like all these people who hate um, the last Jedi and, and why they take it so hard and why they're like, they're ruining my movie. And this is they like, like it's like, in a sense, it is it is their religion. You know, the force is their religion. And you're shitting on their gods. It's like, you know, if there was a... You had the New Testament and someone came out with the New New Testament that, uh, you know, kind of betrayed the, the, the original versions of the, of these things. And, and it's weird when I started... So, I've just been thinking about that. The idea of, of pop culture as religion for those who don't have religion. And you know, how healthy is it for someone like me to sit there and, you know, watch Ghostbusters 89 times. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know how I feel about it because it's something like, I I feel like you should be the kind of, like I want to be the kind of person that doesn't really have guilty pleasures that if I like something, I like it. And I'm not going to sit here and um, try and I guess justify it or, or, or break it down or, or feel bad. Oh, well, you know, I should be doing adult things like, uh, you know, doing my taxes and uh, reading investment magazines and golfing. I I don't know. Whatever adults do, I guess, you know, I don't have children. So I guess perhaps maybe raise children or be doing something of um, relative mature value. And in absence of doing that, just kind of maybe I guess existing in some kind of perpetual um, arrested development, you know, so, I don't know. It's something I'm thinking about, and I don't have a solution. I don't have an answer, but this idea of pop culture as religion, and someone like me who really, really loves pop culture, and is that healthy? I don't know. But it just had, so I do just just something I was thinking about, something I wanted to talk about on here. You know, put that out in the ether. You guys can think about it and see if we're um we're all a bunch of losers, which we may be, or nerds. Maybe we're just nerds, and that and maybe that's okay. You know. I don't know. Things are getting weird, guys. If it was like 1950, I'd be like smoking a cigarette, you know, thinking about a WW2, drinking some whiskey, you know, being a man. And I'm not doing any of those things. It's really just thinking about the movie I saw where a guy was smoking a cigarette, drinking whiskey in WW2. See, something about that's a little fucked up. Anyway, guys, I'm not going to belabor this thought anymore. Let's talk about our guest. Dave Davidson. I love that name. You know, two of the same name just with a little extra at the end. And uh <laughs> Dave Davidson, uh the lead singer and lead shredder guitar player from Revocation. This guy's one of the most talented metal guitar players in the world, uh hands down, and I'm really glad that he wanted to come on the show. And you know what? I'm not even going to give a, a crazy intro. If you if you know Rev- Revocation, you know how how great they are. If you don't know Revocation, go check them out because they're badass i think you'll really enjoy it and you know what and i think you're really gonna enjoy my conversation with mr dave davidson <laughs> nice Suffolk shirt but it's not as cool as my shirt
1: <laughs> what what is that is that like Save by the bell or something or
2: fuck yeah it's saved by the bell bro you fucking, you know I don't, I don't, I don't mess around.
1: <laughs> Saved by the Bell is, is brutal.
2: Listen, it's, it's my childhood. You know, I keeps it real.
1: Really Watch Saved by the Bell? I don't know. How do you? Thirty-two.
2: Oh, thirty-two. Okay, so I'm thirty-seven. So, I was literally like the perfect age for Saved right. by the Bell. I was, I was like yeah. right around that twelve years old. 30, you know, right when it was kind of popping. You know, so you know, that's my jam.
1: Mine was Power Rangers.
2: See, you know what? See, that's why you like that next. It's not even a generation because I think five years is like half a generation. Is you mm-hmm. you just got you got fucked, man?
1: <laughs> hey, man, Power Rangers were cool. They,
2: they were not cool though. That's <laughs> my point. Is you got you got screwed. We had <laughs> guess, all kinds of cool yeah, stuff. Yeah,
1: say, Saved by the bell. Is it's so much cooler?
2: <laughs> no, it's not. But but the thing is, you wouldn't compare <laughs> Save by the Bell to Power Rangers. You would compare like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Or, oh,
1: I I, I grew up with that too.
2: Well, I'm saying, or like the Ghostbusters cartoon, too. Yeah, I know, I, I I fight with that too. Okay, all right. Listen, man, I'm just saying, Power Rangers are whack. That's all. That's listen. We, and we can when we see each other in person, we can fight about it. Um, right, right, right. You know?
1: I mean, I'm not gonna like you know, that's not like my hill. I'm gonna die on. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not saying like. I mean, there's. It's a good. It was great for me as a a, a young. Uh, You know, a young lad.
2: Listen, I'll I'll, I'll go revert to the the
1: great line
2: from the great Daniel Stern in um, Home Alone. I'm saying it's for kids. Kids are stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of kind of mangled it, but I think you get the point. Anyway, uh, Mr. Dave Davidson, uh, welcome to the X-Men podcast. Have we already begun? Listen, man. That's gonna be the beginning. All right. See, we can start it whatever we want. You okay, know why? Okay, okay. Because America, freedom, bro. I this is my show. i do whatever I want. You know, talk about dicks, you know. If I want to.
1: Perfect. We'll, we'll start it that
2: way. No, we're not we're not gonna do that. All right. This is very highbrow <laughs> uh enter- entertainment here. And I would I would never do such a thing. But but no, but seriously, welcome, welcome to the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, yeah. I think it's I think it's really, really awesome that uh you were interested in in doing the show. I'm actually in between tours. I have like literally one week off before uh I go out again. So I'm glad I could I could fit you in. Uh what what are you currently doing?
1: Um we're home for a little while. Um, the new record's gonna be coming out in the fall, so we've got like a big uh headline tour planned around that we're gonna do the u.s um we're gonna be announcing europe um pretty soon as well we're, the, the europe tour is coming shortly after uh the u.s run and uh yeah we're just kind of have a nice little downtime now we're usually so busy in the summer so this is my first summer that i have uh it's we're mainly off for the whole time um we are gonna do indonesia next week for hammersonic festival um but other than that uh, we just we did australia a little earlier too in the summer but it's not like we did like a full massive like seven week tour and like that we can kind of just like chill and laying low
2: do you have the bands lined up for the openers for your headliner
1: uh yeah yeah we, we've announced the uh the lineup for the u.s tour it's going to be um exhumed direct support rivers of nile uh and this awesome band called Yaucha. um they're opening up um they've got like kind of like i don't know that like burnt by the sun vibes i guess like super awesome drummer uh really groovy and just Heavy, and your face reminds me of New Jersey, kind of.
2: Thing. Right on, man. Well, you know I'm from yeah. Jersey, right? I know, I know. Okay, so you're just you're just sticking in little nuggets for me that I can yeah, n- yeah. That, that I can nibble on. Okay, exactly. I, see, exactly. I see how you do. I see how you do. <laughs> okay. um, so, you know, before uh, speaking with you, I was going through the catalog as as I do, um, and it's interesting. I didn't I didn't know that there was another. I guess you guys had a different name. Uh, before Revocation, you were called Cryptic Warning.
1: Yeah, that was that was back in the day, many 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 years ago. So I didn't I didn't get a chance to
2: to actually find find any any music. Was it uh, similar to Revocation or is
1: it different? Um, yeah, I guess it was more like old school thrash. I mean, we we had some some techie elements, I guess, or like we we tried to be at, at that young age um so is that like your, mean, your
2: your high school band yeah
1: yeah we were in high school we formed uh cryptic Morning, and uh never really did much touring uh kind of, you know did some like weekend warrior stuff in the new england area uh we put out a couple demos and a full length that are all like have been out of print for three years but i don't think we even ever made like t-shirts for that band or anything like that we just <laughs> that, <laughs> that was like that was like the the learning process, you know, when you're a kid and like you're kind of scrounging up money to like record and, and, and go through the whole thing. You know, you make a lot of mistakes along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I mean, it was definitely a learning process. And I don't, there wouldn't be a relocation if there wasn't a cryptic warning, because that was sort of like the catalyst that that led to it. Like, OK, let's take this more seriously and, um, you know, kind of reboot it, because the music was changing. I think as we we had progressed so much as players, sort of looking back at our old catalog it was like all right like the the name doesn't really fit anymore um and and the the music has has gotten much better like the the technique of the each of the musicians has gotten better so like why don't we just sort of start fresh
2: yeah I, I love the the benchmark you put as we didn't even print t-shirts <laughs> which <laughs> which which might be that's I think that's a pretty good um benchmark to how seriously you're taking the band because from from my own experience like God forbid it was basically the f- four of the same guys, but we had a few different names and we also did some demos and we also didn't make t-shirts. so I think this is like a theme. That is that's running through to our older, shittier bands, right. you know. If, know. If, you, if
1: you've made no T-shirts, just hang it up. You know, just start start fresh.
2: No, but I think in a, in a way, there's wisdom there because it's saying, you know what, we want to minimize as much physical evidence of the <laughs> the, the sucking, you know, being being out there, you know, and and you know, you kind of being somewhat in, internally aware of that and saying, you know, we're not. We're not. We don't think anyone's really going to buy this shirt, so let's not let's not make that. We probably had a really bad logo or no logo. Right, I, don't think, right. I don't think we had any logos for our for our shitty band names before, God forbid. So
1: we had a logo and and we had some pretty pretty shitty artwork and stuff like that. So yeah, it was uh, it was good good stuff, you know, all around. So are you from Boston? Yeah. So well, it's
2: kind of interesting uh, to me because in a sense you know uh with my time in and, and god forbid and being a part of uh different scenes you know and kind of a collective of of bands and obviously a big contingent of that collective came from new england you know the unearths and shadows falls all our mains uh, i could keep going but uh Acacia strain there's so many bands in that area, area but you guys were kind of had of a, a, a hint of that i guess a, you know i guess in just in just the general metal sense but um were you actually influenced by that or part of that or is it are you kind of coming from a di- totally different world
1: yeah it's 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 funny because um i mean i'm actually from boston whereas like all those bands are from western mass oh, I, I, so yeah. like So like there's there are like two different scenes, um, you know, like that whole like Worcester Palladium Springfield mass scene that was like doing a bunch of stuff. And and, like, you know, we would go out and like, you know, go to the New England Metal Fest and stuff like that. But as far as like where we were playing at, it was like more like clubs like based in Boston, because, again, we were just kids and like, you know, we're borrowing like parents minivan or whatever to get like here or there. So it was really more of, um, you know, playing clubs like O'Brien's playing like the Middle East. Uh, in Cambridge, um, uh, Great Scott, in Alston. So these these sort of more smaller clubs with with bands from that local scene. So um, of course that was like influenced by like some of that um, Western Mass metalcore scene growing up. And I don't think you could be you know from Massachusetts and in the metal scene without at least being aware of that kind of stuff. But as far as bands and like the local. Uh, boston scene that really influenced me uh, my biggest one was probably random acts of violence um they were like a, a not many people know about them which is a shame because they were really a, such a great band um they had this technical thrash metal element they were super tight live um and they, they had like a certain like kind of You could tell like some of them kind of came from like a punk rock kind of scene but they also like worshiped like metallica and like megadeth and all that stuff and um the guitar player matt hooker is still like a good buddy of mine um and I'm, I'm friends with all those guys and it's it's uh it really influenced me like uh just as a as a songwriter and a musician like seeing this sort of like bigger brother band in the scene that we looked up to because they were all like older than us and they were kind of like oh we're playing with random Max. it's like this cool uh time actually our, our first show ever was with random max Amounts and anal Cunt. Oh, that was like our like first show like ever like playing on a stage that wasn't like a like you know battle of the bands like high school kind of thing and that was even before we were called cryptic warning we were called akaldama back were, then
2: was uh random acts of violence popular
1: um i mean they, they were definitely popular in that in the local um boston scene uh they, they did some touring they never like you know broke out on like a super massive like uh, nationwide scale. Um, although I think they did some full US tours, if I'm not mistaken. Um, actually I think my first tour that I ever did was like doing merch for them. Um, like way back in the day. That's where I met like the Magruder Grind guys and like, you know, just my first taste of like life on the road was just like sling t-shirts for them. Um, but yeah, they, they were a huge influence on me like you know musically and just sort of work ethic wise and how to like present yourself like at a show and stage presence wise.
2: Well, you know, so I, I, I guess the, the answer to kind of my previous question was, yes, that whole New England thing was there, but that wasn't your direct line, I guess, to what Revocation ultimately would be. Because, I mean, from a distant standpoint and also from a probably a generational standpoint, right? That was basically the previous, uh, you know, generation of, of
1: bands. Exactly. Yeah, they were they came a bit before my time and right as we were kind of like breaking into the scene i think a lot of those bands like were already established and were already doing things and um playing shows together so we were kind of not part of that (laughs) club um but you know it's cool because it was it it, it led us to uh form allegiances in in the boston proper scene with a bunch of great bands um and it was a really tight-knit scene for a while i mean i remember like we would kind of play because we weren't playing those like big Stages and getting on those big, you know, tours. I mean, we—I remember when we first got on like New England Metal Fest. It like felt like this like huge deal for us. Um, and and uh, you know, that kind of led to us getting signed, actually. Uh, or actually, I don't even know if we played that year. I think I might have just been hanging up uh, demos or whatever. Um, but anyway, like playing in the Boston scene, like we would just play with anybody and everyone. Like we would do punk rock warehouse shows. We'd be playing like weird, like college party basement shows uh and then we'd be playing with bands in the metal scene at more like club and stuff like that and for for a minute the, the uh the and it still has it uh to a certain extent the the basement scene but when i was growing up it was like there was always a basement show like sometimes like several uh throughout the course of a weekend um places like unit 11 and like uh i forget the other one there's a couple on like these random streets like pratt street there was a uh, Castle Grey Skull was on Greylock Security, and they had like these basement shows, and uh, we would just be kind of bouncing back and forth. And uh, another big band uh, that we would, you know, became really good friends with was um, Ranning Speed. Um, they got signed to Prosthetic Records and did some stuff. Um, they were called Despotic Robot before that. They were like kind of our partners in crime for a minute. Met um, was another band, like a death metal band from the, uh, from the local scene. They had like a kind of slam groove kind of vibe. Um, we made so many like lasting, lifelong friendships from just from like being in that scene. So I definitely like cherish those memories looking back. Yeah, man. I I think.
2: I mean, I, I I guess I can't generally speak to how every band or or new bands kind of make it these days. But I think what you're talking about or describing is really a very old school uh, way of building a band, which is being involved in a scene playing diy venues make you know making a community just handing out de- even the, the idea of handing out demos do i don't even know if, if people really do that anymore I, I imagine most stuff uh is online or you know uh re- revolving around social media and, and things th- things like that but it is a very kind of old school way you describe that i know for my for myself and revocation coming on on my radar you know got got in in a sense i think you know describing that that group of bands I was talking about some of us were pretty much on the downslide you know and we and i was noticing at that time different genres that's when like around 2010 ish like that's when the kind of deathcore thing was getting really big that's when a lot of the the gent bands were coming up and and that scene was was coming up and thing interesting thing about you guys was i was you know, probably about that time when when we'd be like, all right, what what's the kind of bands we could play with? New bands, cool, you know? And I was like, this is... You guys, to me, were just a fucking heavy metal band, you know? Um, and it wasn't... And I could hear, like, okay, here's the technical death metal influence and here's the thrash influence, but when you put it all together, it just felt like a modern, sick metal band, you know? Um, and, and I don't even know, because I remember we, we were doing a show in Jersey or like a group of shows and we were trying to get you guys on because we were just looking for cool new bands that were, that were coming up. But I, but as far as I was concerned, I was really excited to hear a, a, a band like you guys. But in a sense, I would to say I, I felt bad for you, but I felt like at that time there wasn't one scene you could kind of like hitch a ride on and get, a part of another group of bands, you guys were kind of doing your own thing. Cause you had, I said the scenes I mentioned before you had that kind of a, uh, the re thrash scene, right. A lot of the municipal waste and a lot of that, that stuff, which was very old school, whereas you guys were thrashed, but it wasn't, you weren't really living in the past about it. You were kind of taking it to new, to new places.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I think everything you're saying is, is uh you know, accurate in terms of, um, I've said this in in interviews before, but we always sort of write music for ourselves first and foremost. And I think being in that, that Boston scene, and also being that first kind of internet sort of generation that had access to Napster, like, you know, I was kind of like downloading all this stuff into my brain, like all at once, you know, it was like kind of being like plugged into the matrix. Like I think like growing up, like, um, I was exposed to so many different, bands all at once so yeah it was to me kind of all heavy metal i didn't really compartmentalize things so much you know like whereas like if you grew up in you know the bay area scene uh in the in the late 80s you, chances are you were into thrash right if you grew up grew up in the uh, florida scene in the early 90s chances are you were into like death metal and stuff like that because those those scenes were um you know, pillars of those specific sounds whereas for me it would be like you know, i would be exposed to x hoarder and Immortal and In Flames and, and Cannibal Corpse, like all in like one afternoon of just, just going down like a weird rabbit hole. And then I'm playing shows with a bunch of different um, local bands that would be in the punk rock scene one weekend and then the next weekend it would be, you know, playing with death metal bands, then we'd go down to like onlyville, Rhode Island and play like a weird warehouse with like, you know, only black metal bands. Um, and and being exposed to all that music uh it informed our sound and also kind of gave us that like i guess sort of genre bending uh sound where you can't really fit us into one box right it's, it was always funny to me when people tried to like put us in like the rethrash box because we had like certain you know thrash metal elements because like to me we never really sounded like um those bands like sure like we grew up listening to like Megadeth and Metallica, Dark Angel and Exporter, but like we took, um, like like for me, I was always more like like driven towards bands like like Dark Angel and, and x Exporter because they had like a, a, a technical aspect to their riffing, and I think they kind of transcended the genre for the time. Um, and the same goes for like a lot of different like death metal bands. Like I was always drawn to bands that like were pushing the envelope and and, and doing something new and just listening to all that music kind of all at the same time gave us our sound and. In some ways, yeah, it was difficult for us because we weren't just like, okay, boom, that's we can peg us like they're they're a death metal band or they're a traditional heavy metal band or a thrash band. Um, I think it took longer for people to sort of catch on because we were really trying to carve out our own path, you know. Well, <clears throat> just even
2: hearing you right now, it's you know considering you're a little bit younger than me and you're talking about bands in a sense that you weren't even there for. So just kind of put through context clues, I can basically tell you're you're a big student of of metal. And um, speaking of being a student, it's, um, you went to, is it true you went to Berkeley?
1: Yeah, yeah, I got my degree from Berkeley. um, And uh, prior to Berkeley, I went uh, to Boston Arts Academy, which was like an arts high school. So um, it was there that I was exposed to like, Jazz and and um, you know playing in the big band and jazz combo. So I you know I guess another thing that contributed to my sound was the fact that I was learning about jazz at, at a fairly young age uh, and being exposed to that whole whole realm. Um, and yeah, I, I just like to know my history in terms of like I think music doesn't exist in a vacuum. Like I've always been the kind of guy that I I want to kind of see the timeline and, and see how things evolved. So while maybe other people were listening to bands that were more relevant at the time, I was kind of more going back in time to, to listen to the kind of chronological order of like how things develop, like, like, Oh, like, you know, I mean, a lot of people think like, okay, you know, black Sabbath, that they're like the, the founders of, of heavy metal in general. But I think that's where a lot of people's research kind of stops, right. They just kind of think about that. And then whatever came after is, you know, irrelevant or whatever, or, or it's not, um, you know, interesting for them to, to sort of seek out. But for me, it was like, I wanted to kind of see that timeline of like how things progressed and like, uh, you know, listening to like early death records. And, and just, I mean, just look at a band like Death and how they progressed throughout their career, right? I mean, they started off as like a solely old school death metal band and kind of became more and more progressive. So you can almost trace the evolution of, of death metal uh, within one band's career sometimes. Um, I mean, Death were a very special band, obviously, but um, Actually, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I just, I'm gonna so do a cool little. Sort
2: of, I wanna do a quick little caveat. Just, just almost like your opinion on this, because based on my my sure. little theories, if Death came out today, presuming they never existed, would they even be considered a death right. metal band?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I guess it depends on like what what, what period era? of, of yeah, time.
2: I, yeah, I guess that's true.
1: Yeah, yeah. But it's funny because everything comes. You know, everything is a pendulum, right? Like right now, like the old school. Death metal sound is like what's really kind of like hot and seems to be like coming back in like a big way mm-hmm. um, So like who knows like what period of death would come out like, you know If 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 death from the sound of perseverance era came out today versus you know death from leprosy error uh, era, maybe uh, maybe the death leprosy uh, version would, would be more popular than the Sound of Perseverance stuff. I mean, who knows? I mean, that's one of those thought experiments yeah. that <laughs> you will never really know the answer to. Um, but it's, it's kind of interesting to, to think about, you know?
2: Yeah. Well, caveat, caveat aside, um, was Revocation a Berkeley band? Like, did everyone meet there? Or or did, was it you were the only one that kind of went down that
1: path? Yeah exactly yeah because because we were formed from from the ashes of cryptic warning so we all met up in high school
2: okay um did anyone else So go, like you know go, I, go,
1: I went on to berkeley did anyone else go to uh, no school? our bass player yeah yeah our bass player went to harvard actually at the time he's, he's no longer in the band but he went to harvard um i'll be honest you know, if i went I, to, if got if got to harvard
2: i would not be in a band i'd be like listen i'm going to solve uh <laughs> the real problems of the world i'll, I'll see you guys later <laughs>
1: Yeah, he was—he was, he was really—he uh, still is a really brilliant guy. Um, I, you know, it was one of those things where we had kind of come up together, and uh, we were, you know, playing music. So we were both in school. Um, I, 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 he, he he took some time off and then went back to finish his degree. Um, revocation, as far as like the touring aspect went, like um, we were kind of lucky in the sense that like I was able to still do school and, and get my degree from Berkeley uh, while doing the band thing. I feel like things didn't really pop and take off um, until, like, I was already kind of, like, finishing up school. Um, so it was just kind of the natural way that that happened.
2: Yeah. Uh, was part of going to school outside of, as I can see, you're, you're a very um, intellectually curious uh, person. But outside of that, was there something in the back of your mind of, well, I'm doing music and I love doing this, but I'm not really putting all my eggs in that basket? And then just being a little more practical in terms of, hey, I'll get my music degree so I could teach or so I can do other, you know, work for hire, things like that. Was that in the back of your mind?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, we we certainly had, you know, zero success with the band up until that point. So it wasn't like we were like riding high and I'm like, I don't need this school stuff. It was like, yeah, I mean, there's a good chance. I mean, we always, I guess, had delusions of grandeur, if you want to call them, or, or or. you know, putting it more uh, sweetly, like, you know, we always had like, a lot of faith in the band in terms of, like, um, what it could do. Uh, I always kind of kept that um, at the forefront of my mind, like, you know, something's going to happen with this. Like, just like, you know, working hard, like not just sort of, you know, staying positive just to stay positive, but like having a goal in mind, like trying to meet that goal and, and working my ass off to, to get to where um, I, I sort of envisioned revocation um, going. But of course, I mean, I'm I'm there, you know, already at, at school and like, you know, have access to all this education. Like, why not sort of, um, you know, hedge my bets in some different uh, avenues of saying, like, okay, like I could have done like a strictly performance degree, but I end up I ended up doing a professional music degree, which is sort of the Berkeley choose-your-own-adventure um, degree, where you can do some performance, you can have some education classes, you can take some music business classes. Um, I was initially actually going to go for um, an education degree, but uh, with just how, how a lot of school systems work, and uh, I mean, at least in Massachusetts, um, you don't actually need an education degree to teach. You just need to be able to pass the state test, So yeah. um, once I, because I was already teaching at my high school at that point, um, I, I, I graduated from my, my my school, went to Berkeley, and then the first semester at Berkeley, I, I went back to teach at the high school. So I was luckily they were like walking distance from one of them, and it was a little bit of a walk, but I was you know I would take classes. Then I would kind of rush back, um, teach, and then go kind of back and forth like that. They had, like, Berkeley had a nice, like, stipend program worked out where they, they would, you know, give you, um, you know, a few bucks an hour or whatever to, like, work within schools in the community. So it was funny. I went from being a, a student to the very next year, like, I'm in, like, faculty, you know, brochures. as like, you know, Dave Davidson, that, you know, guitar uh, teacher or whatever. Um, so being a student and teacher at the same time uh, was definitely you know, got me thinking like, oh, I could, I could maybe do education as like sort of like a backup plan. I was already, I was already doing it. But then once I found out, like I I would have needed to like stay for like an extra like year teaching, like to get those credits and like knowing like, or or sort of discovering along the way, like you don't really even need an education degree, you just need to be able to pass the state test. I was like, all right, well, I've been teaching at this school for four years. Like, what do I need to go for another year for uh, and pay for another year of college, uh, know just to get student teaching credits that i've you know already amassed but they didn't count because it wasn't like under the program at that point Mm -hmm. um so i just i just switched over uh and pivoted to the professional music uh program but but still i mean my knowledge that i gained at berkeley has allowed me to uh to to teach now and like when i'm home from tour that's that's what i do uh is, is is teach Private lessons and stuff like that. I'm not teaching through like an actual school or anything like that because I I leave too much and and, uh, Mm The schedule just like wouldn't work out. But uh, as far as being more um, Of a freelance kind of thing. I can set up some lessons and teach over Skype and and do it like that.
2: Well, you're what I call you know in um, Contrast to to many of us in the metal world a a real musician (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because you know you you have a background and and you because many of us you know I've sub, in subsequent years I've I've learned more about theory and I've I've taught and, and kind of gotten in, into some some of that stuff and kind of learning some of the I guess basic building blocks of music but I'm, I'm sure not on any any level like yourself but so many people in, in the metal world were we're not schooled you know and, we're, and we don't have that traditional um you know educational background so i think that's 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 really impressive and i think it's very clear when you when you listen to to your playing because you're you know as far as i'm concerned you're on a you know a whole other level and in a very very unique and elite level of of guitar players you know and not just just metal i just think you're just a great generationally great guitar player and you have a style and a sound and um and you know you're just you're just one of those guys. So it's it's you know for for me it's like we need guys like you you know because there's you know I mean back in the '80s there was a million uh, crazy guitar players and insane shredders but you know honestly when you guys came on the scene it was like a breath of, of fresh air you know to have you know someone that was really doing interesting things you know just that were pushing the I would say the limitations but going to places like a marty friedman in a dime bag and you know paul gilbert and some of some of, some of these people so that was i could say when you guys came out it was really really
1: refreshing thank you so much man I, I i really appreciate that um i mean you know speaking of in, influences like i remember being a kid and, and hearing your record determination um and like that really inspired me because it was like i feel like you guys had like i mean you guys had a real flash kind of element to your sound on that on that was that your first record or is there one before that it
2: was our second full-length but it was the first record that the world kind of heard because it was the first one on century right
1: more. right and like yeah like that that like pure aggression and stuff like that so i mean uh i guess what i'm trying to say is like you don't have to know music theory or anything like that to be to be a good songwriter, to be a good riff writer. Uh, I mean, some of the best riffs of all time were written by people that, um, you know, didn't know a lick of music theory. I, I mean, and even in in the jazz world, where you know we think of uh, musicians as it, it being very academic. I mean, one of the greatest jazz guitar players of all time that we still are dissecting his solos would be like Wes Montgomery. Um, and everything that I've uh, you know heard about Wes was that like you know, he didn't like he couldn't like read music and stuff like that. I mean, he knew like the he had an amazing ear and like knew the the inner workings of music. But like, as far as like, I don't, I don't think he could like, you know, sight read and stuff like that. Um, but, but you know, we're still, you know, professors are are still analyzing and dissecting his work even to this day. So there's different tiers of like, of knowledge. And just because like, you've got a lot of music theory doesn't mean that you can write good music. Just like, you know, if you've got like a lot of great technique, does not mean that you can write a great solo? Um, and if anything, sometimes it's, it's interesting. Like, um, like, for, for me, like, learning more just kind of gave me more tools at my disposal. Um, for other people, uh, you know, having fewer tools somehow produces great work because maybe they're not thinking about things in a certain way. Like, everyone's brain, like, works differently. Like, for example, like, um, Luke, uh, my buddy from Gorguts, you know, uh, main singer, songwriter, um, he's, like, a classically uh trained musician he went to university for it. he writes like string quartets and like you know you, you could talk to him for hours about like uh shostakovich and penderecki and like all these like brilliant uh, classical composers um but he doesn't know the notes on the guitar fretboard like like, I, like he doesn't want to know because he doesn't want to think about things in a guitaristic way he just wants to purely hear sound and then let that inform um melody or whatever
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's interesting. Um when um Revocation got a record deal with uh sure. with with Relapse, how did how did that come out cuz you guys had a record out called uh Empire of the Obscene, which was released was that on your own or was it a small label? Yeah, so yeah I, we self we self-released that. So I was I was listening to that and um you know, I'm always like super impressed when you check out a band's first record years later and then it's you guys pretty much had the sound of the band pretty well established the quality was very very high the musicianship was there the um uh, the production was there it was pretty fully formed um so i, I imagine a, a product like that being released independently it was probably only a matter of time before somebody uh, scooped you up but how, how did the relationship with uh, relapse come about
1: It it was again sort of another old school organic way. Um, I I went to um, New England Metal and Hardcore Fest, and and I just had uh, CDRs that I had burned. Like we had, we didn't have the artwork yet. I think we had like maybe it was like a, it was either like a rough mix or like a master. uh, I mean, either way, it was like sounded like pretty close to the to the final product. And you know, I just had like "Revocation," "Empire of the Obscene written on it, and like maybe our contact info. And uh, I was just going around to different tables, like. Dropping it off at Spine Farm, dropping it off at Metal Blade, Uh, and then Relapse were in the back corner. Um, And obviously, I was familiar with all those labels. But I was just kind of, you know, going around talking to people, uh, and uh, I handed it to the Relapse guy. I forget who was behind the table at the point. I'm not sure if he still works there anymore. Um, But I think I said something like, "Hey, like, you know, I know you'll probably use this as a coaster or something like that. But if you could check it out, you know, on the ride back to Pennsylvania, that'd be rad." and um you know the dude listened to it like he, he put it on in the warehouse uh because the way relapse i'm not sure if they've changed offices since then but um the way it initially was set up it was in, i think it was in allentown pa or somewhere in that philly kind of uh, suburban region and uh you know they had the big ass warehouse and then there was like the office portion and like everyone's sort of desk and then it made its way upstairs to where like uh you know, a few of the higher ups were, and uh, it's they played it in the warehouse. It went from the warehouse into like the general uh, population uh, office space, and kind of went from desk to desk to desk to desk until it got um, to uh, the desk of the guy who's in charge of signing bands. And we got an email; they wanted to check us out live. Just so happened that we had some tour dates lined up, which like always looks good. Obviously, like uh, when you when the band is active, right? So it's not just about the music, but it's like, you know, does the band tour and can and they go out and, um, you know, promote this music on a, on a mass scale. Um, and yeah, we got signed, uh, not shortly after that, because we went back and forth with like, you know, contracts and lawyers and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I I think maybe a year later, we, we signed the contract and we're good to go.
2: And <clears throat> what, what was the, I guess experience for you going from being an unsigned band, being a DIY band, not really having much support, to going to being on a on a label that I'm sure many of the artists on Relapse, obviously they had so many classic bands, Mastodon, Dillinger, Neurosis, um, and all of a sudden you're on this this record label. I mean, was that you know you know did, did you because a lot of people don't realize or I guess you know the, the idea is they think oh we're gonna sign. With a record label and then all of a sudden the floodgates will open and things will be easy and then oftentimes we we find out that that's when the work actually gets a lot harder you know so i don't actually don't want to hopefully that's yeah hope yeah. that's not a leading question in terms of like you know but what was your experience you know in, in the difference between being unsigned
1: and being signed um I mean, we were definitely busier, right? I, I think there, there was more attention on us. It, it, it's kind of like a brand, right? When you, when you get signed to a label, like uh, there's a certain level of quality that I think people associate with, with different tiers of labels and, and you know re- labels like Relapse and, and Metal Blade, uh, Nuclear mm-hmm. Blast. Um, labels of that nature, I think people sort of, they know there's a certain quality to the releases they put out. Um, they're not just signing anybody. So it definitely, I think, put us on a lot of people's radars um i know for me as a kid like when when i when relapse announced a new signing like i always wanted to check out that band um same thing with like if metal blade was announcing a new signing like oh i gotta check this band out um but uh yeah i mean it was definitely like that was the hard part right it was like okay we gotta go out there and like really hit the road and tour um I and mean, then it was a lot of fun because i'm seeing japan for the first time shortly after we got signed with um with the existence's futile was the record that came out on relapse. Um, we were doing some shows with like Black Dahlia Murder, um, like some random like one-off like little showcase things that we being flown out for. Um, just doing like interviews and getting like more attention, doing music videos, like you know, that was all new. Like having like real like photo shoots that like label would like pay for and take care of and, and coordinate. So all that stuff was exciting. I think it gave some validation to the band. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, to each of us like, oh, cool, we're on the right track here. Um, but really, uh, yeah, it's, it's not like you get signed and like all of a sudden you've got like a, a personal assistant and like everything is like taken care of and you're getting like, you know, checks for 100 grand. Um, it's it's like it's grind time when you get signed. Like that's your real, you know, t- time to prove yourself.
2: Did you guys have a manager at that time or somewhere around that time?
1: Uh, no, we we got a booking agent, um, and then from there, uh, I think maybe like a little bit down the line, we we got a manager. But, but I think it was like maybe like, I don't think on the first initial cycle we had a manager. Oh, no, actually, no, we did, we did, we 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 had a manager. Um, yeah, we we've gone through a couple different managers. They, he, I think he manages for about uh, maybe a year or something like that
2: no names can't, can't can't mention might get in trouble <laughs>
1: oh yeah 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 i mean uh, jason, jason rudolph he's a good dude i, I, know jason. I still like jason you I know. probably know him i do know jason yeah, i do yeah. know jason yeah. um, Jason's solid yeah, yeah well
2: well the thing is you know with with this show you know i try and talk a lot about the the industry talk about the the economics of of what it is we do because you know, I, I imagine you like 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 myself, you know, in, in, a, in a perfect world, we like to just focus on the art, just focus on the work, focus on the performance. Uh, but unfortunately, there's the other, you know, 23 hours in the day and, you know, the the lights and Internet built your house that will not will not pay <laughs> pay for themselves. So in those early years of 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 touring, <laughs> uh, you know, how how. Did you guys sur- survive? You know, was it was it pretty much hand to mouth and kind of hey, we're just gonna grind it out and make it work, and we're we're just kind of dedicated to this 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 life? Or did you did you find a way to kind of make it work financially?
1: Yeah, it's called living with your mom.
2: Yeah, <laughs> is that what everyone? Because that's what the God forbid dudes <laughs> did. We all moved home for the first like two years and then did that for yeah. Like, that's what you guys. <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean, it's basically as simple as that. I mean, not everyone has that luxury, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, you know, we all did, so we like capital because it's like you, you go on tour, like it's like yeah, you're in Europe and you're there, it's like awesome, but you know, just just the amount of money to like, like like, like let me break down like real quick, like finances of just like going on a tour in Europe, right? So it's like you got to buy plane tickets for like all your band, like that's like you know three to five grand right there, depending on how many people are in the band. Yep. Um, Sometimes more if like you know you screwed on like when you're going over there and like you, know, you have to buy tickets last minute. Then like I mean a tour bus, I mean that's like thirty grand for the entire month. Uh, I mean if you're in Europe, you can split it uh, a few different ways. Like uh, with there's other bands, you can fit them there, but it's that's still like huge amount of money. And you've got just like basic things like cost of merch and uh, you know I mean I mean you know the whole game, right? It's, there's so many. Uh, cost involved with with doing this business. So you know sometimes it's funny when a kid's like, oh, t-shirt's twenty bucks. it's like if you only knew how much money it took just to get this one t-shirt to this one club, you know what I mean? Uh, and and then a club will take a c- cut of your merch too, right. so there's there's that, right? You know, in, in terms of like a lot of these clubs, like you know almost every club that you play is gonna take anywhere between like 10 to fifteen percent, sometimes twenty percent of your of your your hard you know cloth merch items every night so um when you when you factor all that in and then think about like a booking agent getting a cut and then your manager taking 15 percent off of that like it's the the piece of the pie gets gets smaller and smaller and smaller so once you can kind of turn that corner um you know and reach that threshold then it's like okay cool like we can kind of come home with a couple bucks but i mean in, in the early days it's like man you're just like kind of grinding like you're happy if you don't come home in debt right yeah like oh i like i didn't come home like you know negative 300 right like i like i actually came home with you know 20 bucks in my pocket this is this is awesome and that's sort of how it was in like the the early days and then like slowly but surely like you make like you know a little bit more dough each time or sometimes it's like take a step backwards and you do a tour and like you know it's good exposure quote unquote whatever so like you take less of a guarantee so you don't make as much money, but maybe you, you know, play in front of more people. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, the idea is to just sort of slowly kind of climb up this ladder. Right. Uh, now
2: has uh, that, ha- has, has that happened for the band? Has, has it been a slow climb as it, has it been steady progress? Do you feel?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think if you just look at like basic things, like, I mean, it's, it's becoming less and less relevant nowadays, but like, as far as like, you know, numbers go like first week sales of a record like that continuously um every record we've outsold the the previous record um for first week sales and you know continued sales across a cycle um you know for you know guarantee right like your guarantee goes up um a little bit every every cycle so uh it's been good we it's not like we've like hit a ceiling and like now we're like plateauing and just sort of slowly falling back down the mountain like the, the trajectory of the band has gone up and up and up and it's you know it's it's not like a traditional um, job where like you know you get like a 25 cent raise or something like that you know it's like the, the growth can be exponential if you do it in the right way um and you know obviously like the dream is like you know with whatever album comes out like you know the band like really pops right and like you can sell out stadiums like obviously like we're not you know we nowhere, nowhere close to that um but is Level, that, right? but is
2: that, has that been the goal to be a bigger, bigger band or, because, I mean, I could say one thing from, from listening to you, to you guys is, uh, you know, you know, it's very, you guys are a very technical band. Um, you're obviously displaying, uh, influences that are. Uh, reflective in the in the extreme metal metal world you know the the vocals are are harsh most of the time obviously uh integrated some like clean singing some stuff in some of the uh the last few records but um is that the goal to be the biggest band or because some bands you know they're very comfortable being in the underground i I look at a band you mentioned black Dahlia murder i imagine they're fine being kind of the king of that hill um so so is, is that part of the goal to- uh
1: well yeah i mean i think we're too extreme to i mean i was just sort of uh using that as an example but like yeah i don't see us getting to metallica level we're, we're we're too extreme too abrasive um for that but yeah i mean if we could get to like you know that yeah that black dahlia murder level like consistently where like no matter where you go um it's like a sold-out show i mean that that would be that would be great and i think um I'm anxious to see how this headline tour will do because I think it's actually going to do very, very well. Like I said, with with every release, um, we've we've continued to grow, and it's I've been surprised by the turnouts. I mean, little little kind of weird things you sort of see, like oh wow, there's like multiple people with like revocation, like tattoos Mm. now, right? Like things like that. Like there's enough people that like are passionate enough for the band to like get our logo like engraved in their skin. Like that's that's pretty you know, fucking incredible. Um, you know, just other, you know, simple things like, Oh, you know, merch sales. Like you can kind of look at things like in a spreadsheet and be like, okay, this is how we usually do in this market. And then like, Oh yeah, we're kind of noticing like an upward trend of every time we play there, it's like better and better and better. Or like the turnout gets better and better and better. So,
2: yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's it's funny because looking at, I've seen a few bands that have been around for a while, but it's kind of seem to be turning that corner. One would be havoc. um, Mm -hmm. Um, ex mortis and uh, obviously with power trip coming out a few years ago and really kind of taking off i think there has been a little bit of the turning of the tide in that this style of 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 technical thrash i don't know how how exactly you'd want to um describe it is definitely kind of finding a, a, a foothold within the kind of true metal community um i don't know if that's something you've noticed as well
1: Oh, for sure. I think everything, as I was saying earlier, is, is a pendulum and like, you know, certain things that are hot um, now, like might not be hot. in you know, a few years from now, I think it's just sort of the, the nature of the, of the music business, the entertainment business is like uh, trends are, are sort of moving so fast. But I think there's been such a kind of like polished sound in the in the in the metal world for a minute. So I think people want something that's kind of like grosser and uglier. Um, and, and more kind of like hearkening back to that like you know old school death metal kind of vibe and i, I think we've always had that and the aesthetic to our music like for us like we just kind of like stay the course like whatever kind of you know uh thing comes our way like we stay true to ourselves as, as musicians first and foremost and luckily like people have been wanting to like jump on board uh you know throughout the band's career and and, and, and in greater numbers with every with every release. But for us, like we're never thinking about like, oh, what's like the latest trend that we want to hop on? Or like, oh, like if I cut my hair in a certain way, like we'll be more popular. Um it's it's more about, you know, the music, uh, which again I think what, what has led to more of a slow burn uh, for the band, but I'd rather be a band that gets bigger and bigger and bigger and really for just like a, a lasting lifelong career and and also like a respect you know of of fellow musicians that are like in the know that um appreciate what we do uh rather than a band that like has sort of like you know one kind of quirky thing about them or hit single and then they get like super big and then they fizzle out because like they never recaptured that or you know what they were putting out in the first place wasn't that interesting to begin with and it was something that was more just like of a you know a, a shock value or something like oh this is like wacky you know because like everyone would want to go for like the wacky thing but then like is there like art behind it you know is there like something that like is more meaningful rather than just something that's like an easy thing to like headline to click on or something like that and then like you know who gives a shit in like two months
2: well i mean <clears throat> you know being now with myself kind of being in a band that's kind of crossed over into the more mainstream world and having me able to now i've kind of seen both sides of of, right. of, of, of how it kind of goes, and I, I think I think what you're talking about is um, I wouldn't say it's a it's a tough choice, but it's just a, a perspective, right? Of right. how how one wants to approach uh, something like this, because in, in a sense, once you be once you make it pro- professional, you are commodifying your art to to some degree. However you however you want to kind of spin that, um, right? And so, you know, is, is this this philosophy? Is this something that um is filtering from you because you know they're you know looking back there has been some turnover in in the band and i guess you're the the only re- remaining uh original member is that correct
1: Yep, yep. i'm the so,
2: only yeah so is is revocation dave davidson or or not really more
0: no
1: <laughs> no i think we're a, i mean we're a collective for sure i mean like uh I mean, Dan writes songs for our records. Um, he's contributed like two like really awesome killer songs uh, to the latest record that's coming out in September. Um, Brett's a killer bass player uh, and just like overall teammate to have. Like he's the he's like the numbers guy in the band. Like I mean he's the guy that's like you know 8 a.m. like with his morning coffee like you know filling in Excel sheets with like last night's numbers and like making sure that everything is like running smoothly. Uh, Ash is just like a killer drummer who's who's got amazing chops, amazing groove, amazing feel. I would think um, everyone would need to be killer, <laughs> be in yeah. your band. Your, your guys is no <laughs> joke. Man. It's hard, but but I mean, like I guess like everyone fulfills like different roles. Um, and and I think you know the the bands where it's just sort of focused on one person, like it, there's it's it's more of a collective, right? I mean, you know, we're we're when, when I'm writing, yeah, I'm writing like it just me, right? So like I've got you know, a bunch of riffs that I've, that I've worked on. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm organizing them, reorganizing them in my mind, like on the computer, like wherever. And then I, and I bring like c- close to a, a, a finalized product to the jam session. Um, so do you guys still jam like in a room? Not, not as much anymore. Cause we're so scattered. Like our drummer lives in Vancouver, um, bass player lives in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, we're kind of like all over the map. So when we get together to write, we really have to make the most use of our time. But usually, what I'll do is I'll kind of like hand my homework in like a little bit early. So like this this last record, actually, like we were kind of sending demos back and forth. It was the most revisions like we've ever done. I guess you could kind of say like, you know, we're talking about like you know, getting higher levels of success or whatever. Now you do think about the band in different ways, and I, I think you can, you know, commodify to a certain degree. But also still, you know, retain artistic integrity. I, I'm not. I'm not suggesting it's either one or the other. Like, of course not. Like, you got to eat. I mean, you know, Mozart and and Bach. Like, I mean, we're still thinking back to those people as like, you know, the greatest musicians that have ever lived. I mean, Mozart was like, you know, oh, this Duke of whatever wants like a reverie. Like, okay, sure. Like, I'll whip that up and like hand it over. Like, oh, this like prince is getting married. Like, yeah, I'll make some music for like the royal wedding or whatever. I mean, you got to work, right? Um, it's just like, do you have like a certain uh, level of artistry present throughout whatever it is that you're doing that is is, is going to hold up and kind of stand the test of time? And, you know, there's, you know, it's it's hard to say, I, you know, like there's, diff- everyone has is a judge of their own kind of personal taste, right? So, mm. um, but with, with, with us for the new record, for sure, like with, with every success that we've had, like I think more about you know the band and kind of like a business aspect like um but it's like in different ways like so for us like there's no clean singing on the new record at all i think for most bands like when you start to kind of hit a trend of like oh like we're getting more popular you know this isn't a controversial statement like people like vocals with melody right so the the trend is usually for bands to add more singing as they get more popular right that's just like flat out like basic fact you can kind of look at that across like any band that's kind of experimented with that for us we kind of like went the exact opposite on it like for me it was like it's again it's all about the music sort of first and foremost and like what is the music informing me to do and and because the new record is very lovecrafty and very sci-fi uh very death metal um focused uh death metal centric i i, I didn't really feel like like the lyrics i was writing and there was no real vocal melodies that were coming out it was all just kind of pure uh, you know abrasiveness um so rather than say like oh well we we had four songs or whatever on the last record that had singing this new re- this new record needs to have seven songs that have singing it was just like clean singing i mean like you know screw it like if the music's not telling me to do something one way or another like i'm, I'm gonna go with what my what my gut tells me Like i guess that's where the the you know being an artist thing comes in, like not doing something because you're expected to do it or because like other people want you to do it, um, but do it because you want to do it.
2: Yeah, yeah, listen, I I think, you know, that approach, you know, it's going to differ from from band to band, obviously, but I don't think personally when it comes to heavier kinds of, you know, definitely modern metal is you don't have to have clean singing to have a heavy metal hit. And by that, you look at a band like Lamb of God, Laid to Rest, redneck those are heavy metal hits you know by right. by the standard of what you know look at a band like amana marth like children mm-hmm. of Bodom, like Hatebreed, like immure who have big when they go and play a big festival they will have certain songs that will connect a I band mean, like arch enemy you know yeah. who just add a, l- a little bit of a clean scene on their on their recent record but generally that's that hasn't been their thing but that you know we will rise they have songs that can, can, yeah so well yeah. yeah and you can have an, an anthemic song but you can also just have like i said just just a banger that you yep. know people can connect to and it, you don't necessarily need clean singing to achieve that um outside of the clean singing is that something you guys kind of focus on on saying hey we want to write you know our hammer smash face or, or something that that's going to you know people might really connect to like i said writing that heavy metal hit in a way that not that's going to be on a radio, but something that, Hey, this is when, if there's a jukebox on this, that's the song they want to play that we want to like headbang
1: to or something. Right. No, for sure. I think that's, I mean, being part of a label, as we talked about earlier, we sort of learn different things and kind of learn the business. Like, I mean, I know with every release that we do now, there's going to be like, you know, singles quote unquote that come out. Right. Yeah. I mean, we just put one out today for, for a song. We dropped the music video for it. Um, and of course, and, I
2: didn't watch it before this. Now I have, to go, <laughs> I, have to go, I have to go watch that when, the, when we're done talking.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's all good. Um, but uh, yeah, so you think about, okay, like what is maybe the most anthemic, um, you know, uh, song off the record or something that's going to get sort of the most heads banging or even just like what is what is going to be maybe like the best overall kind of representation of the record, right? Yeah. Like maybe you don't want to put out the most experimental track first, but maybe you do want to leak it out, like, you know, maybe like, as the second single or the third single to kind of show like the um, the depth of the record, right? Um, so yeah, I, I think metal is that kind of uh, weird genre. Where yeah, I mean, there's there's bands like uh, I mean another band that doesn't employ any clean singing at all is like Meshuggah. And like when I think of like one of the most popular bands in the underground uh, metal scene, I think of Meshuggah because they're even though there's no clean singing there, I mean they're able to sell out like 2,000 cap venues. There like,
2: used to be. There used to be.
1: In the Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, are oh, you talking about contractions collapse? No,
2: even after um, the, the the nun EP, there's a song. Um, he almost sounds like corn. It's like I want to do my way. That that track. I mean, I think the funny thing is that's. I, for me, it's actually my favorite era. Like, None.
1: Uh, oh, I just collapsed sick. They started, yeah. like, Tech Metallica yeah. like, back when that record well, was crazy. Even
2: that record, I don't really like that much. Basically, from from None to Chaosphere and, you know, uh-huh.
1: that's, like, my favorite era of the sugar song. Yeah. Um, yeah, great stuff. Chaosphere was killer. But, yeah, I mean, um, I, I guess, you know, he, but he's not doing, like, a uh, clean singing, like, in the sense that you might, you know, think of, like, in, in some of the more... I don't know, popular metal bands, right? Yeah, still, like, it still has a certain like grit to it, right? It's yeah. like um, like Gojira, like has singing, but like there's like grit to their to the dude's voice. It's and and like and, you know, the melody's like it's not traditional with like a power chorus or whatever, right? It's like um Yeah, I know what you're saying. Different interpretations of it. So like but anyway, as I was saying, like there's there's all those bands that can do it, but like what are what is maybe like a common thread? Like so like with Meshuga, it's that like you were saying, that like getting like you know, the fist banging, like head banging, like uh, there's a certain groove element that you can kind of latch onto, um, with, with that music, same thing with like hate breed, right? They've got this like anthemic quality to their music. Um, so even though we're technical and, 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 uh, you know, progressive or whatever, I think there is still that element that that I try to think about like a little bit, or at least like when it comes to like choosing a single, like, Oh, like we've got our nine songs here. Like, you know, what might sort of reach the most amount of people, um, or like, what song might be the one that like is really gonna, like I said, get uh, get the best overall feel of what the record is, and then the other songs that are maybe more experimental, people will discover those as they're on their own, as they're like listening to the record.
2: Right on, right on. um One of the things I, w- I wanted to talk about is, you know, I I mentioned it before, but you know how much I I admire you as a as a guitar player, and I and I really think your 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 talent is is very unique and and and, and very rare. Um, do you think about, um, the kind of brand of yourself outside of the band and kind of pushing that as like in terms, cause like I said, you, you are thinking about the business. You are thinking about, you know, the, you know, that the, the fact that you have to, you know, you ain't getting any younger, you you know, and, and you, and the truth is, you know, I think the reason why, um, a band like Arch Enemy has done, done well, or, uh, a band like Children of Bodom is because they've kind of pushed the 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 superstar guitar player, and they've developed their own brand outside of their band, and in and, and in a way, it amplifies the 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 kind of size of, of of the band. Is that something you focus on or think about?
1: Um, I guess it's something that you know I, I think about. Um, I mean, I mean, for for me, it's like I don't want to be necessarily uh, only identified as, like, the guitar player of revocation, right? I want to be seen as, like, sort of, a, you know, a musician um, with a with a wide range of, um, I guess, musical output. So, it's funny, we are just talking about how the revocation record is, like, no singing. I'm actually starting a new band that is all singing. So, like, I'm... Okay,
2: okay. So, I mean, is, it, is this, like, hot news? Is this the... Are you dropping uh, something?
1: I, I have Not a lot of people know about this, no. So, this, I mean, I don't know if it's an exclusive exclusive, but it's, it's uh... It's it's semi exclusive. Is it with anyone we would know? Um, I don't know. Uh, it's it's with the uh, one of my buddies, uh, another Canadian uh, student, Luke. He plays in a bunch of awesome bands, but it's not it's not like um, you know his his bands aren't maybe like as well known, but they're they're amazing. By the way, uh, I,
2: if you have a name for it, I have a name for it: Control Denied Two. Uh-uh. <laughs> two no but it's just it's
1: not gonna really be I'm I'm just, ju- I'm ju- <laughs> that's for the,
2: that's, that's a deep cut for the for the for that's, the metal
1: nerds out there for the real metal dorks <laughs> out there yeah um yeah this is gonna be it's it's almost like a really progged out version of like Alice in Chains or something like ooh, that like, ooh, you know, who's, like who's singing my friend Luke um, oh he is the singer okay yeah yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be probably doing some backup vocals um Oh, but all the demos we've done so far, like, he's got, like, a, a good, like, home studio set up, so he's been sending me demos, and we've been just kind of writing the songs, like, 50-50. Um, it kind of has, like, I don't know if you know the band Virus from Norway, but, like, some of the stuff has, like, what a it, Virus. What, what it, vi- Virus? Yeah. Okay. Um, they're, like, super, Not not so much in the vocals, but, like, maybe, like, in the riffs. Like, it's, like, super kind of, like, almost, like horror soundtrack like surf rock like really dissonant chords and we and just like weird kind of out there melodies so i think we tried to at first we were like all right we want to be like kind of like a weird virus worship band but like with anything when you get different musicians like working on something it's going to evolve and like change up so there's certain parts i'm not trying to put labels on it but like it just has so many different elements to it um and, and i don't really want to it, w- it won't really fit in like the, like i don't want to like tour like with death metal bands with this band because it just like wouldn't work you know what i mean mm-hmm. um so i, I want to like separate myself um from revocation i mean I, I i have revocation and you know that's my baby and um i love the music that we put out but i want to do something different just like um you know when like if i'm doing other gigs that aren't revocation like i uh i've, I've played like jazz gigs before where it's like you know uh, sitting in or uh you know, doing like a, I've done like a brunches at like random Vietnamese restaurants and like just sitting in with some like killer players and like playing like jazz. And like I get like a different um, satisfaction out of out of doing that kind of stuff. By the way, speaking of speaking
2: of gigs, I'm something I'm just generally curious about. Someone of your ability. I imagine you've had to have gotten a call, right? Like, hey, man, Megadeth gigs open. Hey, man, you know. Chris, you know Chris Machos left Arch Enemy. Have you have you gotten that call or c- a couple of those calls?
1: Um, I've gotten calls to fill in for some some um some bigger bands, but I haven't. Um, I, I was like I think busy at the time, so I couldn't do it. I was like already on tour, but like nothing on like a Megadeth. Uh, level, although it was funny, people like were randomly speculating that I was going to be like the next guitar player of Megadeth, like on like Metal Sucks or something like that. Um, well, by the way, when, we
2: have to congratulate you. So, he, uh, Dave was 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 named the the best guitar player of all time, I think, by Metal Sucks. What was what was the list? Uh,
1: it was like uh, the top twenty five guitarists modern, and, and not modern metal guitar. Players. Modern That's metal guitars. He
2: was number yeah. one. So we, we right now in the XM, we have as I. Yeah, I think the list was the greatest guitar player in the in the known universe of that <laughs> month. <laughs> yeah. that, 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 yeah, was, that must have been pretty damn honor. cool. Yeah,
1: I had no. I mean, I was uh, I was following the list, and I had no idea that I was gonna make it anywhere on it. But yeah. you know, part of you was like, oh, maybe I'll make it, make like, the top twenty or whatever. Because like Sucks had been very kind to me over the years in terms of. Um, You know, always having nice things to say about the band right um so like you know you you know got top 25 and it was like top 20 and then like top 10 you're like all right i'm definitely not going to make it to the top 10. and you had like guys like jeff loomis and and Freddie thorndall or whatever and Tosin. um and then yeah i was like oh dude you're number one i was like haha very funny i think we're in the band at the time and like someone was like showing me their phone i was like you know imagining it's going to just be like a picture of like a some guy's dick or something you know but like I, I read it and like like did a double take i'm like did you like photoshop the metal sucks website like it still didn't like click um to me but um yeah i guess that was been I mean, one of those like little turning point moments where it's like oh more people are interested more people are, are kind of taking notice um but yeah so like that's awesome that um you know they had that to say about me it was like a huge accolade and um really appreciated it but like i said I, I'm, I'm trying to get out there especially like with what you said, like, uh, not getting any not getting any younger, right? Um, wanting to branch out and, and do different projects and and not just be known, like, solely as, you know, Dave Revocation, right? Like, showing people I have other facets to my plan, because I work on a lot of different stuff constantly. With my new band, uh, we don't have a name yet, but um, we've got a couple...
2: Control denied two is the True. yeah that's that's
1: that's at the top of the heap so far that'll be the record <laughs> that'll be the album title um, or it'll be like like two like T O O like hey we're, we're control denied two um, and but uh, like but like
2: they used to do it with the old movies so it'd be T O O
1: and we'll do umlauts. <laughs> yeah it's really crazy with it um, but uh, yeah so I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to, to to people hearing that other side of me and. Um, yeah, sort of separating myself a bit from you know the band and just making myself more of a uh, not like a solo artist, but you know, a, a musician, Dave the musician rather than like you know Dave the guitar player for Reputation well, and that's it.
2: Well, I, I you know you you kind of remind me a little bit of um, Mark Rizzo from SoFi, who I had on who I had on the show, who guys who I know are just so insanely talented and and really have you know superstar chops but i feel don't get the exposure that they deserve you know um and you know and i think i think a lot of it is in 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 a sense you know we talked about a little bit before but about image or like you know the the way kind of one promotes themselves and kind of puts themselves out there so you know I, i would say you know i definitely want for you to definitely get more exposure and you know and and you know and you know, this is, I guess, the, the su- suggestion time. You know, I, you know, maybe do a solo record or do something that really puts your name out there. Or you know what I'm saying? Maybe what you need is like a nickname. You know, so like Dave Lightning Davidson. You know, you know, you know, Dave. You know, punch you in the face, Davidson. You know, something catchy. You know, you need like a little. See me, Doc Coil. Who it's like, who? What is he? A doctor? Is he a witch? What is? He? You know, they don't. <laughs> Yeah, no. Does he wear Doc Martens? You know, that just helps out a little bit. You know, with 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 the whole thing. But actually, on a, on, a, on a serious note, I noticed with with Loomis, when he put out his solo record, his profile got a lot bigger because it, right. it, for for a time it was oh that's that amazing guitar player from Nevermore, and then right. he just became. Jeff Loomis. Jeff Loomis, right, you know? right, right. And, and and I think all that stuff and, and focusing on that. And what happened was when they went back, when he went back to Nevermore, him and World Dane did solo records. The last Nevermore record was bigger and the band got bigger because the profiles of the guys in the band made it bigger. And that's something I would definitely, if I were you, I would really think about that stuff because in, in a sense, and, and I know just from talking to you, you're not you don't have a big ego and you're not like you're, you're not like i need to have all the tension and i need my. Ne-, you know so so in a way our humility almost i think sometimes works against us in that no no you have a very unique talent and it's okay to say all right i need to push this forward because ultimately it'll help all your projects i think in my opinion
1: oh yeah no i i agree um i mean we've talked about this internally but like you know the the more active you know every member of the band is you know with with different things uh, like i'm not the kind of guy that's like oh you can only be in revocation right like i'm like like dan's got a, another band called artificial brain like they're like another sort of weird uh dissonant death metal band um brett's got other bands actually with one of new jersey's finest dave witty right so he's got a band to
2: dave witty got to dave Whitty.
1: Oh, no, you got, yeah, you guys got to uh, talk shop. I'm sure you'll have a, a good time talking about Jersey Pizza and, you know, all that good stuff. No, nah, we're going to be talking about Discordance Axis, all right? Oh, hell about... yeah, hell yeah. And, now and now Human like, Remains. Human Remains, Human Remains. Yeah. And, were you a Dead Guy fan, too? Come on, man, you gotta recognize. I mean, <laughs> the Jersey scene, man, it was such a great uh, scene. Oh, and, of course, Dimock. I mean, what a weird band, but, like, amazing, amazing riffs. That, they were a huge influence on me.
2: That's um, crazy. So, so we're Ripping Corpse.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, so no, you're, no,
2: mean you're yeah. deep in the streets, man. I don't even know where you found all this stuff. I, I represent, man. No. I can, I, representation <laughs> is definitely <laughs> happening right now. I, I give it mad, mad props. Getting, get with the, And I, and I bet you, like ninety percent of people listening to this have no idea what the hell we're talking. No about. No idea. No, no.
1: <laughs> yeah, I had that. I had the Discordance Axis it was like it came in a dvd case the, the the record i don't know if you have that one but it was like a i did like not so it was yeah it was like a deep it was like a blue sky looking thing with like a dvd case that it came in. i was like what the hell is this thing but um good stuff what, what were we talking about i got sidetracked oh yeah so uh, brett's got um he's got river black which is like you know oh, you yeah, sick, that.
2: really sick that's what um like yep. my, my main man mike olander
1: yeah yeah and like and it's you know john adabata uh has that like uh you know, burnt by the sun kind of vibe, like just pissed off, New Jersey. Um, Ash has got several prizes he's working on. He's actually working with uh, some of the dudes from uh, Strapping on Lad. Uh, Jed, uh, he's got a band with him going on. Um, so, anyway, like I'm saying, like, you know, all of those bands that come out, like, you know, at the end of the day, like, it's great for them to have their moment in the sun, but it also, I think just the tension will naturally trickle down to revocation because, you know, people associate different guys with different bands and it's just like, At the end of the day, one more press release of, you know, seeing someone's name that you associate with another band with a new project. But then it still makes you think like, oh, yeah, that's like, you know, uh, you'll go back to like listen to Revocation maybe or something like that. Or because you're like, oh, I want to hear what this new product is all about. But maybe it like inspires you to go check out their other bands and it all kind of feeds into it. Right. So I'm not I'm not so much like you can only do this or only has to be one way. I think the more products, the merrier, just so long as that, like, you know, they don't interfere um, you know, because like if everyone's on tour with separate products, then obviously it becomes like at a certain point. I guess you have to kind of pick whatever your main thing is going to be, no matter what, if you're trying to really tour on that level. Um, that's, I guess, why I was always inspired by like jazz musicians too, because it never seemed like. I mean, every single person. There's no bands really. It just. I mean, there's certain like, you know, eras of bands, right? But it's not like you know we're called you know this, right? It's like a collective of guys you know the john coltrane quartet or whatever and like for a span of years like you know you play with different people then we're going to record with this guy and that guy so it's kind of like this collection of like musicians that are just sick as fuck that are all like these sort of freelancers that are just popping in to dip you know one guy could be on a hundred different records like yeah so you could spend your whole life just you know in one band and get like huge and get on like a stadium level but then but then again like it's almost like the, the the weirdo musician in me is like it's almost just as appealing to be like never gain that massive popularity but be able to play with like so many different musicians in so many different settings and that to me is like sometimes like just as inspiring like rather than like doubling down on one thing being like no i'm gonna like you know put out like only one record you know per you know amalgamation of whatever it is i'm working on so that i'm always naturally kind of putting myself in and out of different comfort zones, um, and always continuing to, to evolve. So there's so many different, uh, I mean, the human experience is so incredibly complex, obviously so there's no like one right answer, but I think it's just kind of cool to think about it from those different angles. Yeah.
2: I mean, I think it's different for everyone, but the truth is the more ability you have, the more options you have. And, sure. um, you know, and I think, I think life is, is too short to, to not do what's in your heart. You know, and, and so like you doing your side project or whatever kind of comes to you, I just I just want, you know, I feel like in 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 many ways, we're at a point in the in the industry where uh, good does not equal successful. Right. Um, un, unfortunately. And um, so because of that, you kind of have to I, I want to find the people that I feel are great and talented and, and pushing the boundaries and, and you know we you know we as a community have to have to shepherd those people and say hey all right well how can we help more people hear this how can we get this person more more exposure but um no man i i think what you guys are doing doing great and i'm you know just a huge fan of of you as a musician a huge fan of of the band and um so what's um when does the new record come out
1: new record comes out um well first of all thank you so much doc i really appreciate all of this and having me on on the show and um you know i'm looking forward to hanging whenever we cross paths next so thanks again for all of this um the record comes out september 28th it's called um, the outer ones the outer ones yep uh we, we just put out a, a new track uh music video for of unworldly origin you can watch that on on youtube um the pre-orders are up now so you can uh you know help support these you know death metal musicians um and, uh, yeah, we've got a, a couple tours planned for the fall. One that's already been announced is our headliner. Uh, we're going across the U.S. and Canada. And then the Europe uh, tour um, is going to be announced shortly after that. So stay tuned on all that news. How do people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at David.Davidson. Um, you can find me on, you know... Twitter, I think at Dave underscore Revocation. Uh, bands, uh, pretty easy to find. Instagram, just Revocation. Uh, you can look at them on Facebook. All right,
2: word, word, word to the wise: get your Instagram and Twitter the same name, Dave. I know. I'm. I'm get on fucking that. Fucking all right. Stop. Stop. Stop fucking around, dog. Know, all right. All right, man. All right. Um, this is what I need you for. I need. I. I That's need... right. That's right. This is Doc Cole. Get get your shit together, y'all.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's the the doctor.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, how about Doc Davidson? Right. You were saying I needed a name that could. Doctor, that, listen. That's, you can take. I don't listen. To it right? There's been a Triple D. What's that? Triple, Triple D.
1: Doctor okay. Dave Davidson. You
2: know. Oh, I like that. I like that. Or just just <laughs> Dave Davidson, MD.
1: <laughs> you know. or Esquire.
2: Well, I'm, listen. You I'm, know. You know. You're you're an educated man. I'm sure you're not far from it from a doctorate. So, hey, brother. Thank Play you. Y'all. Thank you so much for being on the show. And definitely, uh, good luck with the record and the tour and everything, man. I'll talk to you soon.
1: Thanks, man. My pleasure.
2: Track was entitled Of Unworldly Origin, and that is from the new Revocation album entitled The Outer Ones, which will be out September 28th. And uh I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. I really appreciate Dave uh coming on the show. It was really, really awesome to have him on the show. That was great. That was great. I love that song. I've been a fan of that band forever. And uh, you know, pick up that record, support the scene, y'all. All right, cheeseburgers ain't gonna pay for themselves. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, I, I, you know I only have what four days left on tour. There's a little girl out here yelling out here. This is crazy, guys. <laughs> the business center is wild, guys. Y'all, y'all know how it is, man. Out in Delaware, Delaware, they be they be crazy, man. You might get stabbed, shot. You don't know what's going on here, motherfuckers. Throwing pies and shit. That's how. That was crime back in the day, you know, if we throw a cream pie in your face, you know, you have to go kill his whole family. Anyway, the hell am I talking about? Oh, yeah, I only have a few days left on tour. I've been out since mid-July. Now it's September. I don't know who I am or where I'm from, but no, no, it's um. we have a few days left. So I'm actually really excited to get home. I have so many people I'm trying to talk to while I'm home. Believe it or not, it's a lot easier to get the podcast done at home because one i live in la and fucking everyone's in la and that's makes things really easy makes it a little easier with like doing skype stuff just being able to schedule and be in my own place and be have quiet and things like that so i have a bunch of conversations i'm trying to have when i get home i'm gonna load up i'm gonna load up on conversations so i'm not as uh pressured to get things done while i'm on the next leg of the tour when we go to europe and all the rest of that stuff. So anyway, but I am looking forward to getting, get get home guys. I mean, t- the tour is great, the road is great. This tour has been amazing. I'm like, we're playing in front of you know, 10,000, 15,000 people a night. It's it's like absurd actually. Like I'm like I'm like, what the hell? How do, you know, how did I get this lucky? You know, to be able to have this opportunity to play in front of so many people and have the band do so well. It's um you know, it's a, a lot of feelings of of, of gratitude. And, um, you know, just staying, you say, just, you know, me, like I said, I'm always, I'm like, all right, I'm sure this will be over soon. I'm sure they're going to, you know, Chuck Woolery's going to come out and be like, listen, guy, it's been good. You had a good run. You know, you had a great run, but uh, it's time to go home. It's all over. Gonna, we're going to wrap this up. You could uh, pack up that amplifier and, uh, you know, that would be fantastic. We really appreciate it. Just, just, just move it along. You know, I'm kind of waiting for that, but I'm, I'm trying to enjoy it while it's happening. And know, um, hell yeah. This is uh this is fun anyway. Anyway guys, you know what? I'm gonna drink my stale not sugar coffee and um Mamba's just gonna be the fuck out.